0: right boys strickland
1: we've had a couple pitch this one a couple people pitch this one to us and say it's is it worth having a look at so they had tenements 30 k's to the east of uh jundee yep. that they have sold to
2: northern stars so can you can you imagine maddie a company um with with a Nothing but just a pros- like prospects, no resource on it. Yet. Yeah, going to the market and asking um, new investors to give them fifty million bucks in cash to, to just <laughs> to just have a crack at whatever they might be. So, and, th- and that's what's fascinating, right? This company's left with um, a lot of cash. So the big question is, what's the company going to do with the cash? Here's a, a gold company with a bunch of cash and not much in the way of projects. That's the complete opposite to every other gold junior out there, which has a project <laughs> and no cash.
0: Money, miners, welcome to one of the last recordings we'll be doing from the OG recording studio, aka Trap's house. I'm going to miss this place. probably the second last. We are now in the hustle and bustle of West Perth. You don't (laughs) have to miss a
1: trap, it's your own house, mate.
0: Jeez, Hay Street's not going to be good for the fucking diet. Jesus, bloody those barn meat rolls down the road, they're going to murder one of them each day. You
1: promised me you're cycling every day, so Yeah,
0: yeah, let's, we'll we'll wait.
2: We'll be held to account. Boys, how are we? (laughs) Doing mate, well, mate. Mate, I'm good. I, um, I've i been enjoying listening to JD's interviews. Uh, he's, uh, he's bloody Great mate. sensational
0: questioning, JD. Great research, great execution. Yeah, Matty, you're uh, going to make me blush, mate. Mate, very well done on your little re- Melbourne Roadshow. Appreciate so, it. Johnny Johnny Forward and Hedley Whitop, those two interviews are absolutely booming on YouTube.
1: Yeah, they were good. Plenty to learn from, from both of them. Really focus on that early stage, right? Mm. Yeah, love it,
0: love it, boys. Right, what do we got in store for today's mining news? There's just a lack of M and A.
1: But there's a there's a lack of M and A, but there's still plenty to talk about. So we're gonna we're gonna talk a bit about the macro, and then we're gonna dive into you know almost staying on the, the macro theme on BHB yep. and what we sort of took away from their their yearly numbers. And then what else have we got? We got a bit on Allchem, a little dive on Strickland. And I think that rounds us off, right? It
2: does, yeah. I mean, Strickland's a funny one that you've done a bit of a deep dive on. It's one of those funny ones where it's a a company with not much in the way of um, projects, but plenty in the way of... uh you know, cash backing and, and stock. So it looks a little bit intriguing. We like to dig into those um, and see what's really going on under the hood. So stay tuned for that one. Absolutely. Beauty. Right. Eh? Before we get into it, we always got to thank our partners, boys.
0: Bondi and Langers at Terra Capital, thanks always for the great support from the bloody oh, we, gurus of the natural resources fund, you'd say. Uh, we've got a DK's coming on next week for a bit of a rare earths. Spectacular. So stay yep.
2: tuned for that coming out of Terra Capital headquarters. And I'm keen to ask him plenty about rare earth because I still don't really understand any of that stuff. He's the man. He's all <laughs> over it. Apparently and
0: he's been, hence he, uh, Langers and Bondi have said, sort that out for us. Yeah. And if listeners okay. have
2: any, any interesting questions in relation to rare earths, let us know. And we'll, um we'll be sure to ask uh, yeah Dylan, Dylan Carley, who's the, um, the analyst there at Terra, who's all over the rare earth space. Bloody beautiful.
0: And next, our great friends at JP Search, Michael and Xavier. Now, JP Search, Travis, a soft spot in your heart, like recruiting for the <laughs> finance industry, bringing the talent. And now, boys, I've been handed over something. I have a testimonial. Do you? That someone
2: oh, that good on you. Uh,
0: dealt with JP Search. I'm, oh, kind I of, I'm that. just going kind to of read it out to the money miners. Oh, mate, this is now, this <laughs> impromptu. Is a, I love this it, This <laughs> is a testimonial from an F-ing F.ing, ing. .ing. Hi, my name is Frank, and I was on the bones of my ass last year. I caught an unlucky break in the finance world and was left jobless after my company went into administration. After exhausting all conventional means of job hunting, I went to JP Search. (laughs) And both Michael and Xavier welcomed me with open arms and said, Frank, it's going to be okay. Within two weeks, they got me my dream dream job, and I was once again... Rich as fuck.
2: Who, what, I've what just is? bought
0: a three-story house in Noosa and my Model S Tesla will be here next week this thanks, is a fake review sure thanks JP Search for helping me soar like an eagle again cheers from Frank Frank Ing,
2: Frank Ing, Frank Ing. wow Frank that's
0: credit. what JP Search can do for your business everyone I'd highly recommend looking them up wow
2: I mean do the businesses want Frank Ing's working for them I mean
0: Frank mate Frank Ing is soaring <laughs> like an eagle after JP Search so shout out to Michael and Xavier oh it's well, a we'll glowing review tomorrow. I don't know if it's
2: real or not, buddy if it is, good on you, Frank. I'm glad you got a job. It's in real, Tesla on, it's and real on money and <laughs> mine.
0: <laughs> Let's get into it, boys. JD, can you recover from that?
1: You never cease to imagine that. Why don't we get into some news, hey? Let's start with the macro. And this one's super, super interesting to me. So it's it's all about China. And China is essential, it's sort of needless to say to everyone listening, to the world of commodities. They drive almost all commodity prices, perhaps gold aside. So the country slipped into deflation on their most recent numbers, so consumer prices were coming off 0.3%, which is you know the, just a polar opposite to what we've been seeing in, in the rest of the world recently. And they had some pretty astounding figures out, youth unemployment figures, so that's for people aged 16 to 24 at 21%, which is just phenomenal.
0: 21% of a fucking shitload.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it, and it's gotten so bad they didn't even report the latest figures. So wow. last week the numbers were meant to be updated and the the Chinese government just said, no, thank you, we, we won't post those numbers up.
2: Oh, Evergrande. That, that, the perks have been in well, China. The, the numbers that you do see... Yeah, it's kind of hard to hard to differentiate what what the real numbers are from the numbers that I you do that see. I think that was well. uh,
0: pretty similar to when COVID hit, and the the morgue numbers were a bit different to what actually was happening when they were trying to, I guess, downplay how much COVID was spreading.
1: Mm. So Evergrande Group is one of the biggest property developers in in the country there, and they actually filed for Chapter Fifteen bankruptcy protection in the US last week. So they sort of came onto my radar and probably for a few listeners mm-hmm. a couple of years ago when they first defaulted on three hundred billion dollars worth of debt. So like I said, that they're no small fish. They're ginormous. They're no longer the largest property developer, but they were for a long time. And it should sort of be noted that chapter 15 bankruptcy isn't, you know, the final nail in the coffin. It is something that companies do and in this case something they are doing to protect their US assets. So the this last is, th- it's
2: interesting because the it's the the everground property developer and it's the property sector in China that is an enormous driver of the economic growth that we see in, in that nation, but also a driver of the demand for the commodities that we produce here in Australia.
1: it's It's been enormous for the for the last two decades. It's driven the the boom we've seen in iron ore and many other commodities. And like you said, Trav, the property sector in China is huge. It makes up more than a quarter of all economic activity, which is way, way, way bigger a proportion than what you see in the in the Western world. So they've got a few different challenges, and we won't dive into them too deeply. But they've they're no longer the the most populous country in the world. They've got an aging population, and it just it just makes you want to take a step back and look at when you're talking about all the companies we talk about, mining companies. This is just. Monumental in in the potential impact it can have. So obviously we're no macroeconomic <laughs> experts. It's sort of needed to even say even the
2: macroeconomists are not macroeconomic
1: experts. Well,
0: mate. exactly. You you had a yarn with was it with Johnny Forward, wasn't it? You talked a bit about China and I guess his views on it. Yeah, interview. we did.
1: I, what that related to was oil as well. We mm. we spoke about how oil demand had been increasing and would be increasing for for the foreseeable future. I think was was his takeaway there. But yeah, just just tying it back to what's going on in China, they, they are the the driver. I think more than you know half. Sometimes, like with lithium, up to ninety percent rare earths, more than ninety percent is processed in countries. Obviously, it it comes back out the other end in final product demand in in the Western world. But if these the the demand coming from China pulls away, it's it's going to be pretty tough, and we'll get into it more talking about BHB because obviously a lot of their product.
0: What a great
2: segue into oh, BHP,
0: mm, J.D. Before we
2: do, before we do, I've got a couple yeah. couple of China points um, to 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 chirp ch- in um, to the convo, fellas. One is that uh, the whole like China growth bear thesis has been one that a lot of um a lot of like macro guys out there have played for a long time, and um, in macro land you can't afford to be wrong for a long time because you just get wiped out um, on your position. And in, in the, the big China bears out there um, have sort of been bearish for a long time. And and the thing that they've always sort of come up against in trying to play that bet is um, is the challenge when – like like everyone underestimates how um, sustained the Chinese growth story has been. We've all seen pictures of these new cities that they build that are like ghost cities and no one lives there or anything. How is that, how is that durable? Um, and China's like in some way, shape or form being able to, to enable that uh, growth in some ways because their, their um, debt is denominated in their own currency and hence they have a bit more freedom to actually, um, you know, drive growth via um, development in their own currency because their debt's denominated and they're trying to convince the rest of the world to denominate their energy and other materials in their currency, which gives them more ability to just print more money and create more growth that way.
1: Yeah, and they don't let the yuan freely float, which obviously has yeah. added benefits as well.
2: Historically speaking, no company has ever been able to create a perpetual motion machine, but um, <laughs> we'll see what China is able to achieve in, in this one. The property sector cooling is a, yeah, a huge thing to, to pay attention to.
1: Yeah, so segueing into, into BHB, what I want to first talk about with BHB, there was a few different aspects to the, the updates that they gave this week, which were fascinating. First up, I want to talk about their relationship with the Queensland state government. And credit to Mining News. They came out with a, a hilarious headline that gave me a bit of a chuckle. It's a ripper. In quotation marks, BHB's Henry responds to dick move. So. <laughs> the headline's obviously referring to BHB's CEO, Mike Henry, and the Queensland treasurer, Cameron Dick, and it's all centered around the coal royalties that came about last year. So that led to BHB having to fork over an additional seven hundred million dollars in royalties. It was a sort of three tiered, staged um, royalties that depended on whatever the the price of the final product. In this case, coal. And it's only was. coal in Queensland. It was only BHT, it was BHT. only coal that was yeah. Um, targeted. Yeah, like, yeah targeted super last profits, year. Yeah. So it led to the Queensland state government having a budget surplus, a record budget surplus of $12.3 billion. That's yeah. just for the state. So that's that's pretty massive. So on the back of that, Mike Henry, the CEO, has been pretty adamant that there won't be any additional Greenfields funding going into Queensland. He's sort of said that the sovereign risk and the uncertainty means that no more cash will be going in, although they will continue to invest in the assets that they already have there. And in retaliation to this, the Palaszczuk government... Palaszczuk. Is that how you say it?
0: Anastasia Palaszczuk.
1: Jesus, there you go. The, <laughs> Close. The, the state government has um, said, and here's a quote from Cameron Dick, the, the treasurer, we, won't, uh, we want those companies to properly develop the leases that they have been granted by the people of Queensland, and if they fail to do so without legitimate commercial reason, our government has the power to act
2: sounds like a bit of a dick measuring contest you say boys <laughs> nice one Maddie. nice one the um the takeaway for me is that you, you can't expect to have it both ways as a, as as a government you can't impose exorbitant royalties and also expect companies to invest significant capital into the state at the same time you know un- understandably it's going to be one or the other when you when you make those sort of decisions the the, the royalty is great you know while the mine life is there right but in the long run new investment is um is needed for sustainable economic activity, and hopefully, hopefully, the mining industry and uh, the government over there find like an appropriate mi- middle ground that um can achieve both objectives. Do you I think agree. other
0: other parties might be swooping in on investment if they get better terms uh, now that BHP say they aren't investing in coal? I think was there well, an article r- about Yan Coal the other day? The, ro- the royalty applies to all companies. Um, if the ter- if the arrangement gets a bit more healthier than it is right now, it appears.
2: I think I think all um all companies are going to look at the the economic regime upheld by state governments with um you know with a similar lens you, for every additional um, amount of risk you take on then you need to be compensated for that additional risk by virtue of a higher return. In this case, the risk goes higher because you've got uncertainty in economic regime because, you know, government's willing to, to ratchet it up and at the same time your return goes down. So, you know, you've got to attract a very different kind of investor to, to BHP who's pretty disciplined about this sort of stuff when you're, when you're ratcheting up risk and lowering return at the same time.
0: Well, what else? Uh, anything other than coal that caught your eye with uh, BHP, Trav?
2: Oh, mate, there, there, there is... Um, and, you know, this it's pretty interesting, right? They put out some some guidance um, for for iron ore and oh, – well, they put out a bunch of guidance. But when you look at specifically at the CapEx guidance, the amount that they're going to um, allocate to iron ore, it's a real indicator of the way that sort of, you know, BHP is projecting um, the, the demand for that commodity, especially when you put it, you know, relative to what they're going to invest from a CapEx perspective in their future-facing commodity book.
1: So, there were a couple other things that stood out to me as well, Maddie. So, on on Trav's point on iron ore, on the outlook that they have going forward. So, they said they see price support in between that US $80 to $100 range, which is for that 62% grade product. And they listed two key uncertainties that they're looking out for. So, firstly, how effective China's stimulus policy is implemented especially in regard to real estate. So that really speaks to what we started the show with. And then secondly, the uncertainty that revolves around the breadth, timing and severity of any mandated steel production cuts. So this made me think of the discussion we had with Kingsley Jones a few weeks back and specifically talking about the iron ore cost curve. He was attracted to some of the more marginal iron ore players, the high cost producers, and specifically the ones that can move quickly. And to your point on CapEx, Trav, looking more broadly at what BHB has guided, so they spent US $7.1 billion in FY23, and this was up 16% year on year. But the outlook was pretty notable. They said in each of the next two financial years, they want to spend US $10 billion, and then over the medium term, on average, spend US $11 billion in CapEx. So when you look at what they've spent over the past few years, it's really hovered in and around that US $7.5 billion range. So it looks like a real step change upward and potentially what we're going to be seeing going forward and maybe a uh, sort of response to what many punters might say over the last few years was a lack of investment across a lot of um, mining assets.
0: How would, uh, how would BHP de-China themselves? They are, their iron ore is heavy, bloody reliant on China. How would they become IRA compliant with that? Does this apply to them?
2: I think um, you actually saw in some of the headlines that came out of BHP's recent announcements a a bit of an indication that they want to invest more smelting capacity um, in the kind of copper hub in South Australia there. That to me seems like a a sort of, you know, an intention born out of the whole geopolitical dynamics at the moment. Mm. More localised downstream, we're adding value to those battery metals in a... um, in an aligned country, not a uh, not a foreign entity of concern country, um, and then you ultimately that product becomes the beneficiary of the, uh, the the tax credit down the line in the in the battery process. There's one more thing on on BHP uh, fellas while we're still talking about this company that that um, I think is worth sharing as well. And this one, um, it's actually a tweet from Respeculator. He's he's got a sharp eye, and and this tweet is worth sharing. Assuming it's a he. No, yeah, yeah, he is. I'm pretty sure he is. He is. There we go. <laughs> confirmed, it's a dude. Uh, so respeculator, he posts um, uh, a screenshot from um, BHP's announcement, which is just showing some of the the Nickel West numbers. Um, so it shows their average realised price, their EBITDA and capex, and he's he's. Uh, Quote is BHP Nickel West average nickel price is up three percent, but EBITDA down sixty one percent shows how badly WA cost inflation is eating into margins. Can see it in the capex as well. Cash burn here, which is EBITDA less capex, is pretty bad, and that is with a twenty four thousand dollar per ton nickel price. And it's it's staggering, right? You look at it, and um, the EBITDA from from Nickel West here is US you know zero point two billion, um, but the capex was uh, US zero point six billion. So. You know, if you just look at the free cash flow, um, there's, that's that's negative cash flow from from those operations.
1: Yeah, and
0: they're de- they're definitely not world class operations, Leinster and Mount Keith.
1: And to your point, Maddie, on de chinering the business, there is no way the the iron ore business is de chinering and they are not looking to get any IRR dollars. You know, that's there's mm. nothing EV related about that aspect of the business at all, which is the the flagship BHB asset. Yeah. All chem guys, they are had full year results come out. I think, yesterday or the day before, so we obviously posted up the interviews and didn't have the chance to talk about them. Are they
0: going to be called livened? No, the, the name
1: is yet unannounced.
0: Ah, so it's not going to be might not be either.
1: Yeah. Mm. So we'll oh, yeah, sort of we've watch had this yeah, we've had
0: that um, hypothetical <laughs> chat, haven't we? Yes, we have. I remember. <laughs> what did we come so, up with? Nothing interesting.
1: So there was something surprising about the the full year results to me, and that was how much they were talking up the WA focus. So I want to know, you know, we'll chat about after I go through some of the numbers, are we are we buying into what they're saying?
0: Which goes against what we've said previously. Exactly. So yeah.
1: on the some of the highlights on the full year numbers, they had revenue of 1.2 billion US. Gross profit of one point zero six billion and a net profit of US five hundred twenty five million. So that's pretty pretty solid numbers. And they were obviously the uh, product of a notable merger in the past between Oracobre and Galaxy. And now, like we just touched on, they're subject to another one going forward. So getting into the detail, I was actually a bit surprised. I haven't looked at Allchem for a little while. I realised that more than half of the revenue came from Mount Catlin, so slightly under six hundred million US. Coming from Olaroz and slightly over 600 million US coming from Mount Catlin. Mount Catlin obviously producing Spodcon. I think they were producing a 5.3% grade product, and Olaroz producing lithium carbonate from the brines in Argentina. And on guidance going forward, Mount Catlin's numbers were guiding to a midpoint of 220,000 ounces for FY24. Tom. Right ton, (laughs) and that's not bad considering this year just passed. One hundred thirty-one thousand tons was produced. Yeah, and on Olaroz, they're expecting um, a production for FY twenty-four of a midpoint of twenty-four thousand tons on the back of sixteen point seven thousand tons. So things are going upward, and they've got quite a few um, projects in the pipeline there as well. So on that WA focus, and then chatting up the the interest, I'm keen to see if you guys think they have any. If there's any merit to this, if you look at some of the, the facts, the company has said they're moving the headquarters to North America. They've got quite a North America-focused business. that will have assets throughout the Lithium Triangle in South America, as well as up in James Bay in North America. But on the flip side of that, they said there's secure tenements in and around Bold Hill. They've um, Here's a quote from the CEO, Martin Perez de Soleil, Allchem is interested in acquiring Bold Hill. And we will also be looking at assets in WA that add value. So, like you touched on, Maddie, we'd made the prediction that they would probably sell or pass on, you know, Mount Catlin in mm, the. Especially
0: they look like they were sexing it up with that underground feasibility study. Exactly. But that might uh, remain in the portfolio. That was, we were just spitballing. We had no, uh, no intel either way. But um, with those comments from the top dog, it may appear that. Going underground at Mount Catlin might be stay within the Allchem live event, live all whatever they're going to be called within their portfolio. I looked yeah. it up; they haven't
2: agreed a name yet. They're just calling it Topco for now.
0: Yeah. I suppose I that's a so. that's a player we have not uh, discussed or considered that could be in that Bald Hill race uh, and yeah. in that region. So that'll add a whole nother great piece of news to yeah. money of mine if that is the case. It'll be the first I mean- time someone's ever racing to get bold.
2: <laughs> i've been trying to prolong
1: that one
0: <laughs> you got me trying to put you need to put it in reverse for a bit traveling
1: I, so I think i think after four months of doing this we've all learned to be you know to not take what ceos say at face value and i i definitely don't but I, especially
0: it, about capital risings
1: oh oh yeah but um you know just given how strongly you know free cash generating the hard rock lithium assets have been in WA. It sort of warrants that all Chem are going to look at potentially putting a bit more cash to work in the state. Mm,
0: going to be going to be interesting, right, boys? Strickland, Strickland, S T K. Now we have covered them before briefly because they did the deal with Northern Star. Um, they sold their asset, the Milrose asset, to Northern Star, which is thirty k's from JD. JD. Well, have, let's think about this company. Will mm. shareholders? Get a benefit. We're yeah, about so to find out after JD runs his bloody microscope
1: over it. We've had a couple pitch this, a couple people pitch this one to us and say it's, is it worth having a look at? So let's let's take a look at it, Maddie. The transaction you spoke about, they had tenements, thirty ks to the east of uh, Jundee yep. that they have sold to Northern Star. So what they received for that transaction was thirty nine million bucks in cash and one point five million ordinary northern star shares so those those shares will be escrowed for one year at 11 bucks which is roughly what northern star is trading at those shares have a value of 16 and so all mm. up cash and shares they've got about 55 million dollars worth now the deal was valued at 61 million dollars when it was flagged uh, a month or two ago about a month and a half ago now
2: yeah interesting so it was a 61 million dollar deal and um it had a, the project there had a resource of three hundred forty six thousand ounces so just the very, very, very rudimentary um, EV per resource ounce calc for that transaction multiple, you know, shows you that it's a uh, $176 per resource ounce uh, multiple there. But and that's about on par with what we saw with the musgrave Remelius bid, right? Ramelius has implied offer valued Musgrave um, at $197 per ounce at the announcement. Both of those have mill synergies, um, and it just I think just speaks to the fact that when you have um, when you have ounces that can be leveraged in a nearby mill and maybe that mill um, can process those high grade ounces and and in, and displacing other lower grade ounces in the
1: process when you do that you know you attract a, a juicy premium mm. so here are the highlights the the market cap is about 65 million like we just said about 55 million came in from the deal and they had 1.6 million at the end of the, the previous quarter and now that transaction closed on the 25th of July so getting into what the, the Millrose project was. Like you said, Trav, 346,000 ounces. This was 6 million tons at 1.8 grams per tonne. And like we said, it sat 30 kilometers east of uh, the, the Jundee Mill, which is east of Waluna. Now, they, they bought this only two years ago. They bought it for around about 11 million. They said that they spent 16 million on drilling and then obviously selling it for 61 like we touched on the company flags a 35 million dollar return i think cuz they well i think
0: initially they put out and i think it was an 11 month they said for an 11 month program i think their initial program was what 23,000 meters of rc and 8,000 meters of diamond so yeah
1: and it was and, it, it was interesting that they had the 346,000 ounces when they purchased millrose and it was the same number of ounces quoted when they sold it so they'd obviously put you know, holes in the ground, but not updated. But didn't, didn't do the resource. The resource. It saved a bit of coin there, I guess. So the big question is, what's the company going to do with the cash? And here is a quote from the, the deal when it was announced. Their transaction will allow the company to aggressively upgrade its portfolio of existing gold prospects on the Yandau belt to a standard similar to that of Milrose. So what they're planning on doing is hitting multiple targets that they've identified. These all sort of sit to the northwest of Milrose with RC and diamond drill holes. So they've got 35 kilometres planned already. I think
0: they're, they're doing air core at the moment.
1: Yeah, I think, that, I think yeah. that's that's right. Yeah. And they've also got plans to continue base metals exploration. So they've talked quite a bit about their zinc lead targets and they've had some pretty interesting hits, to be fair, but it's a pretty contrarian play given the sort of debate we're seeing around you know zinc and lead and how assets of, of that sort of commodity or those two commodities rather are performing. They were, the they were
0: looking to demerge them. They were, they, they yeah. were,
1: yeah. So the the last thing they say around planning is assessing new opportunities. So they break out a use of funds. Which is pretty remarkable for an exploration business. <laughs> we'll flash it up on, on the YouTube for um, oh, it helps for people when got watching. fifty
0: million bucks.
2: Yeah,
1: and for those, well, l- can you can you
2: imagine, Maddie, a company um, with with a, nothing but just a pros- like prospects, no resource on it yet, yeah. going to the market and asking um, new investors to give them fifty million bucks in cash to, to just <laughs> to just have a crack at whatever they might be. So, and th- and that's what's fascinating, right? This company's left with um, a lot of cash. And a bit of bloody pasture,
1: which I don't know how prospective it is. I don't have that skill Well, skills
0: it's, it's it's in that yeah that Yandell belt. Look at what! Don't imagine if you found another Jun D. Yeah, like it's pretty wild.
1: A, yeah. So for those those listening, the uh, the use of funds was eighteen million dollars in year one exploration, eleven million dollars on year two resource definition, seven million is set aside for acquisitions, and five million is set aside for working capital. So if everything goes to plan, they could be out of cash in two years. Must be going for a
2: But they're
0: go they're going all in. They might find a big humdinger of a deposit. I,
2: I think you have to like my read on that is you have to tell the market that you're gonna create value by exploration, but you might just really want to do a deal instead. Um and these guys look like deal doers rather than um, you know, creating go from exploration given the fact that they literally sold the same asset without adding any more ounces to it. I wouldn't back them to <laughs> to um to add ounces to a to a project. i you know, maybe maybe the play there is they would do a deal and make more money doing deals. It's sort of, to, well, it's
0: not a bad play from then to just poke the holes in and then sell
1: it, and not even have to worry about doing a resource upgrade. Mm. So, and to, to not your if point, do that again. To your point, Trav, on how you sort of regard management and what the market is kind of saying—they're clearly not placing a lot of confidence in the strategy that the company has, given the sort of cash and script backing relative to the the market cap of the business. It kind of reminds me of Saint Barbara, and I mean. To be fair well, to this the, this
0: doesn't sound good. To
1: be fair <laughs> to the Strickland team, they haven't, you know, done the done what St. Barbara has done, but just no. the dynamics of the, the, cash, the cash backing. backing uh, yeah, reminds me of that.
2: I mean, Barb's was trading at a negative EV for a point in time. This um, this still company doesn't quite are, have that right? dynamic. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. At least um, at least these guys aren't trading with a negative EV. But um, but it, it it's it is really really interesting nonetheless. I, I kind of think of um of the company's dynamics as well. So here's here's a, a gold company with a bunch of cash and not much in the way of projects. That's the complete opposite to every other gold junior out there which has a project <laughs> and no cash. So I actually see- And seen, the projects
0: are worth fuck all
2: the money <laughs> in this market. Yeah, and so I, that's why I think um, what's most interesting about this company is could you imagine all of those gold juniors out there that have a decent project, um, like Strickland would be an attractive merger opportunity for them because that gives them access to uh to cash, which they can actually then put into their project, and hopefully they create some value. And when the market turns and developers are on the rise again, um, you know they're closer to production. So it's just it's fascinating, right? Because I think I think Strickland being this um, bit of a bit of a shell with a bunch of cash um, is is really interesting from the perspective of of um, the gold juniors that that have the opposite dynamic at the moment
0: it's like a bit of a parlay isn't it they've they've made a heap of cash from this transaction they've put the holes in the ground they've found some a good deposit and they're like right can we do it again by poking a heap of drill holes so chances of success are much higher because they've got
2: so much cash to pump into drill holes Mm. i don't think we'll see that cash go into the project they talk about here that's my prediction they won't put all that cash into the the project that they have. Oh yes, 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 you heard it it It'll first. go. It'll go into another project. It'll because they'll, they'll do a merger or they'll acquire something and um, they'll put that cash in something that's a bit more
1: prospective. Is my guess. Mm. So I, I had a couple takeaways, and investors can sort of take it at face value. But one is that investors went into this with with the gold focus, so they might not necessarily want to partake in a zinc lead exploration focused business. Another was that shareholders want returns, and that's the likely reason why the EV is so small. Investors are sceptical about the company's ability to reproduce another, another uh, performance like they did with Milrose. And they also think clearly, to your point, Trav, that the capital will whittle away within the business, hence they're not putting much value on, on the company in terms of its EV.
0: I suppose everyone asks as well what's, um, I guess, from the Northern Star side of the fence, what's their strategy? So like with mm. buying it for Jundee, everyone's like, oh, there's Jundee running out of gold. Doesn't appear so. So it looks like Jundee's got a lot of life left in it. So they've got 1.5 million ounces in reserves there. They produce 320,000 ounces for mm. FY23. So look, you've got at that rate, you've got five years of reserves plus what they'll add in from... Expiration as well, so they're definitely not running out of gold there. There's still shitloads there, and there's shitload more to find. Yeah, um, would it
2: displace something slightly lower grade potentially in the in the near yeah, term? De- definitely.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's like it still has to be, you know, yeah, re- resourced, yeah. reserved, mine planned, permitted, and so it's possibly a couple of years away. But look, it's there, and just add to it. So why not? Um, yeah. uh Look, as you said, JD, they didn't update the resource, but. Northern Star, so you look at this cross-section here, Northern Star sees a lot of potential in the down-dip extensions for this Millrose project because they're, they're all very very shallow holes, their program.
1: Yeah, and I think the, um, the per-ounce acquisition that we spoke to is kind of obscured a bit given that there was no update in resource but they did put holes in. Northern mm. Star clearly think there's more ounces than that latest resource would imply.
0: I'd say, yeah, they'll be going a lot deeper holes, which is um, – I suppose Strickland side, it's not as good bang for buck for them. I suppose starting down dip extensions with longer drilling costs more. So whereas Northern Star will definitely put the uh, put the holes in to define that further down dip. Agreed. So I think Northern Star will definitely have their eye on what's going to come out of oh, – they've got the 40,000-metre air core program at Horsewell, Strickland, that they're starting soon or started. Um, so, yeah, so obviously easy for Northern Star. The small cap can – Sort their own money out, put the holes in, and if something comes up, Trumps they can take it after the hard work's been done. So yeah, that's a, That's a, the
1: theme we're seeing in it's the market.
0: A good, nice, easy play for them without having to run their own exploration programs. Yeah. So. so time
1: will tell how how Strickland sort of plays out. Yeah.
0: Very good, boys. Good oh, stuff, guys. Nice, short, and crisp. God, you know what I can't wait for JD tomorrow. So I get to do another sponsorship presentation. <laughs> it's the highlight of my day, and watching your face of. Dissatisfaction.
1: Uh, In what world is 40 Minutes Crisp?
0: (laughs) Don't worry, sponsors. I'll keep the relationship positive. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to all our sponsors, the ones mentioned today, JP Search and Terra Capital and our other partners at Top Drill.
1: Anytime Exploration Services.
0: And and K-Drill.
1: Thanks a lot, guys. appreciate
0: it. Great okay. feedback. Sponsors are love. Sponsors are loving the alternative strategy, J D. They sure are. I reckon I could take it up another level. What you should present tomorrow's one. I want something I'll happily, from you. I will happily present it, mate. I? <laughs> <laughs> <Who do we? laughs>